Hey, I'm Brody Vincent and you're watching a profession session. My guest today is Ignacio Carcavallo. He came on to talk to me about his experience as essentially one of the founders of the Argentinian Groupon. He worked on this for about 10 years and built a massive company along with the other founders and really got to see what it was like being at the helm of a large organization. Taking that knowledge, he's now become a coach for high level executives and he has a very unique methodology for doing this. He actually walked me through a live coaching session on this podcast, so stay tuned to see how he coaches and the unique methodologies behind it. One of the most important factors to hire someone is that he or she needs to be aligned to the company's values. Just hear a little bit about this incredibly high level experience. This is one you're not gonna to wanna to miss. So you really need a team of very aligned people to your vision because the vision is the only thing that you have. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Profession Session. My goal with this podcast is to expose you to incredible entrepreneurs so that you can hear more about the mindset behind their success, as well as some of the tactics that have allowed them to achieve the success. If you've ever gotten value from this, or if you get value from this episode, I encourage you to like, subscribe, and especially to share this podcast with as many people as you can so that it can help other aspiring entrepreneurs to have the kinds of success that these ones have had. Thank you so much and enjoy this episode. Thanks, Brody. I'm excited to be here. Likewise, likewise. You've got a very unique background and you coach in a very unique way that we'll get into here. We're actually going to do a little bit of a unique podcast today and we're going to go over your background a little bit. And then because you're an executive high performance coach, we're actually going to do a little bit of a test run here on me. Um, just a, a little way to showcase what it is that you do because you take a pretty unique approach. So I'm excited for it. Yes, amazing. Yes, let's do it. Absolutely. So uh, what, is the, what is the most important beginning point of your career, do you believe? What is the most defining beginning point, if you could choose? I, I was to the story that I, I studied in what it's called the Argentine Harvard, whatever, business school. And I wanted to become the, the CEO of the, one of the best companies, right? Coca-Cola, Housen Bush, Procter & Gamble. And um, I worked so hard during the university, got a good grades, uh, scholarship and stuff. And when I got selected on the most difficult program to get in Anheuser Bush InBev, that's basically the owner of 80% of the beers of the world, and I started my corporate life, I thought I, you know, I wanted to be 10, 20 years in corporate life and then become an entrepreneur. Damn, I was wrong. <laughs> when I got into, I mean, I'm really grateful of, for, for that experience. I stayed for three and a half years. They kept promoting me every six months. So, well, I'm, I was 21 years old. I was learning a lot, but wow, I was not a corporate guy. Like, and it's not wrong. One of the most defining moments was to understand that we all have one kind of profile and we need to identify what do we like to do in which way and then follow that path. And then there's, I have so many friends that uh, work in a corporate life and they're amazing because that setting is right for them and it's great. And they could never be business owners or entrepreneurs because you got to be kind of crazy to be an entrepreneur and it's beautiful. Uh, the, you know, that's why they call it the entrepreneurial roller coaster. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but it's amazing to, to see, it was amazing to see for me that all the dream that had this thing that I had dreamt throughout my whole university and then the years before when I was at school, I was not a corporate guy at all. So I couldn't handle those very long and bureaucratic meetings. And then the speed, you know, I was 
creating a lot of projects and ideas. And they would tell me, well, you know, in three to five years, we can implement this. I'm like, what? I'm like 21, 22 years old. I have my whole, whole life. I want to see that live, you know? And, um, and then the politics. I'm, I'm not a politics guy. You know, I, if I have a, one of my weaknesses that I'm, I'm not good at politics, I've developed policies for the past 10, 20 years to be able to run companies. But for sure, that's not my strength. And there's so much politics um, and inner game through the company. And every time I was in a, in a political game inside the company, I, was thought, I had this innocent uh, thought saying like, we should be focused on you know, kicking our competitors' ass. Not like this apartment with this guy did this on this meeting because he wants or did. What are we talking about? We should be talking about how to kick ass on the street, you know, with the competitors. Then I learned that the competitors were also having the same problem, so it was kind of leveled. So, yeah, after that experience, I, I said, okay, I'm definitely not a corporate guy. I was suffering. I wanted freedom. I wanted, I, I'm an executor. I love making things happen. So I started, I, I started a very small company uh, while I was working in this company because I was so bored. Uh, even with the last uh, promotion, I was working almost with the, the CEO, and I'm like, this is not for me. So I started creating a, a small brand of shoes uh, because I saw that especially girls like 10 to 18 year old girls would like to have a trillion shoes. But of course, there's a budget restriction. So I started designing a shoes where with some Velcro, you would change the design every day. So you would buy a base shoe and you would be able to design your own shoe every single day with hearts or your name, with your son or whatever. So you don't need it to buy a different design shoe because like 90% of the shoe is the same actually. When you buy a Converse, it's the same It's the same shoe. You're just changing the color. And it's kind of nonsense to have 10 pairs of Converses just because you're changing the color. Wouldn't it be better to just be able to change the, the outside layer and to just print something different? So I started that and I think I started and, and I updated my LinkedIn. Back then it was 2010. So yeah, LinkedIn was kind of, you know, a website that people would find jobs, but you know, it wasn't as known as uh, right now. And I got a, an email from some Ger German and, or Swiss investor telling me like, yeah, we're, we're starting this company. This was, uh, this was 2010. So it was 13 years ago. Um, people were not using credit card to buy things online much. And, uh, there was only eBay, you know, Amazon, all the, all, only the major stores were like actually processing a lot of money and with credit cards. And this was a new business model. And they tell me, we want to implement uh, um, in, in Latin America, this new business model from America. It was uh, the Groupon business model, the, the daily deal site, where you would have 50 to 90% discounts for restaurants, spas, hotels, travels. I'm like, what? Like, really? You can have 80% discount for your, your best restaurants and stuff? Wow, that's amazing. So... That's when, that's when uh, we partnered up, we got the investment and we launched uh, this company with uh, my, but back then it was a German co-founder. Then I got one of my best friends from university as a co-founder also. And we got the investment and we, we started replicating this business model in Latin America. And then we specified in Argentina because I was living back there in Argentina. And uh, it was a very interesting approach by these German investors. There were ex, ex uh, big shots in Skype and Facebook, uh, early investors. And what they do basically is they see what's really rocking in the U.S. And 2010 was the year that Groupon launched in the U.S. 
it was supposed to be the fastest growing e-commerce in the in the history. So it was skyrocketing, it was on, on the hockey stick. And with these German investors, what they do is they see what's uh, working in the US and they just replicate it very aggressively in the rest of the world. So they were replicating it in 20 countries around the world and we were in charge of creating the company in different countries in Latin America. Wow. And so that was click on, right? Yeah. Is what that was called. Yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing just a, the company, <laughs> it's a different company in each country, obviously, because there's different challenges in each country. That's a great model on their part. I mean, that's, that's smart. It, it makes sense. So as it. I know, having talked to you uh, before this, that became quite a roller coaster for you starting that company and running that and you were there for a while, right? Yeah, for nine years. So, so nine years. Talk a little bit about that journey from, um, you said you started in about 2010, the journey yeah. from starting in 2010 through those nine years. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got right on point. The The business model of these Swiss and German investors was to see what's going on, in the, what's really working in the US, uh, understand that a US company that wants to, to be abroad will become a multinational company so hence a little bit slower so what they would do is instead of creating a global brand they would create 20 companies exactly what you did what you said so instead of having a global brand each company had its own brand and what they did is that they put a german uh co-founder because they're really good at executing and you know they're they're amazing like german german founders are amazing at execution they're like engineers in general usually ex uh, bain mckenzie you know like a really good consulting firm so get a good train and a local co-founder so that the company would have the local intelligence argentinian brazilian uh, dubai you know every single place would have its local founder with the german a consultant co-founder and in that case you would have uh the local speed and intelligence and yeah mostly speed to be able to compete with this huge giant in this case groupon that was this, this global brand with a lot of bureaucracy already that had to be everywhere and follow a lot of guidelines and, and it's good because it's it's a global brand so so in, and then we would be all sister companies out of this huge holding with the same investors and they would share the information and the tools and the intelligence from the whole, uh, the whole world. So you would still have <clears throat> that global mindset and the global view, but with the local intelligence and uh, speed. So <clears throat> sorry, that was uh, something very smart that they did. So yeah, it was nine years. We grew from zero to $100,000 in like three to four months. They almost shut us down because as they were in 20, 25 countries and they, I mean, Australia was doing amazing and yeah, yeah. I think Sydney was the, the highest revenue city and then Brazil was doing great. And then Argentina, Argentina didn't start well because we didn't have enough marketing investment and they almost shut us down. As they were so aggressive, we got an email one day, three months in and they said, okay, if for the next uh, week you don't triple your revenue, your revenues, we're shutting you down and we're like, you're talking about like that's impossible <laughs> three months yeah. in three wow. months in i had already quit my my job my almost three and a half years uh, job you know this we had rented this office you know all the whole startup uh sorry we had uh hired the first employees from a hotel room because we didn't have an office 
I, I was with this German guy that I didn't know, that didn't speak almost uh, Spanish. We were hiring uh, employees for a future company that didn't exist with a, a legal structure that wasn't yet incorporated because in Argentina it's way slower the process. Uh, we were telling uh, you know these prospects, its uh, potential employees, this is a business model that's going to revolutionize the, the way we, we spend. It's, you're going to have 90% discount on your best restaurants. And they were like, what are you talking about, man? You're not, you know, this funny Argentinian and this German guy in the hotel room telling you that, you know, it's an amazing company. It's going to, like, what are you talking about? But, you know, there's always the, the first believers that they, they believed in the vision. And we had like 15, 20 employees by then. And they, we sent, they, they sent us an email because, I mean, they, they saw countries as, as levers, you know, like, you know, like with your ads campaign in Facebook, you turn on and you turn off on the good performers and the bad performers. And so yeah. we see, you know, okay. I put more budget here, I lower here, I, I kill this one. This is the same with countries. <laughs> and it's not bad. I mean, it's, it's a business model. They're, that's why they're so aggressive and they're so fast. And um, we got this email and we were like, dude, we cannot triple the revenue in one week. Like, what are you talking about? Like, we need marketing. So we had a very hard week, very hard week. And we thought that it's gonna be was going to be over. And then we talked to Brazil and Mexico and they were able to redirect funds because we were, we were uh, having less funds that we needed for marketing. And then we, we, were, we were able to match our marketing needs to, to the demand. And that's when the hockey stick started. Uh, by the first year and the end of this year, we did like uh, $2 million in revenues. And by the second year, we were already doing eight to 10. That for Argentina is huge. Imagine it's 2010. People were not using the credit card for like one, two, five, ten dollar uh, purchases because they were afraid of, uh, you know, uh, chargebacks and uh, fraud, credit card fraud. Now you use a credit card for for almost anything online, right? And you don't care. Mm-hmm. You just, like you enter a site of China for one dollar and just just put your credit card everywhere. You, you're just printing your credit card numbers everywhere in the internet. But thirteen years ago. You, you didn't want to put your credit card online unless it was like Amazon, eBay, you know, like very big brands. So it was a huge um, accomplishment, especially for Argentina. It's only a 45 million, back then it was 40 million population country. So to be doing $10 million a year in revenues in a completely new business model, I was trying to push credit cards online that was not used by then. It was like doing 30 to $50 million a year in the US, just as a comparison to size and exchange rate. No, it's also because it was all in Argentina and pesos, so it's a, a very weak currency. So it was a huge company. And by the first year, we had already 80 employees. So we were 26 years old, and uh, it was it was quite right. And by the second year, yeah, 8 to $10 million, almost 120 employees, or 110, 120 employees. And then we were having the growth pains, you know, the happy problems that we all have, want to have. Um, we were grow, growing so fast that we didn't have middle management. The founders were all around the place doing absolutely everything. Uh, so we started hiring the middle managers, starting getting systems in progress in, in, in the company, and building a good backbone with the backend. And we were handling almost between 100,000 to 200,000 transactions per month. Something, or something like that. Like it was, it was, it was a lot. And then wow. we were handling thousands of payments per day or per week because then we would pay uh, our merchants. You know, the the customer buys our coupon for the pizza place, and then 
one month later goes to the pizza place and then we redeem the coupon to the merchant and we pay the, the, the percentage to the merchant. So every single day we were handing thousands of uh, payments to the merchants because every single day people were re redeeming the coupons. So six years in, we were stable at nine, ten million dollars a year, kind of like that. Um, that was, and and then the, the business model started to decrease a little bit. So you know, uh, Groupon was showing went, went live on the stock exchange. Was having a lot of problems with the, the price. They were see the, the world was seeing that uh, Groupon was extremely aggressive in capex in capital expenditure. So yes, they were pumping the revenue numbers because they were spending so much, but they were not profitable at all. We had a a mixture, a, a, like a different approach. We wanted to be profitable since the beginning. So we run the company, even though we wanted to be aggressive to compete with Groupon, we always had cash and profitability uh, on our eyes and then on our goals since the inception, because we knew that the, this was a long-term game and uh, yeah, we needed to be profitable. So we were one of the most profitable uh, companies or competitors in Latin America, but yet it was, you know, a huge volume, but low profit. And then, uh, year six year, yeah, year six, I believe, or five or six, we started buying all the local competitors because we saw that we were like, like the strongest local competitor. And after many years, all the other local competitors were, were either failing or just were open for, for sale. So we did two or three important M&As. Uh, one to the second largest newspaper in the country. So imagine like I was 30, 31 years old and I was negotiating with the, the owners of the second largest uh, newspaper, media company in, the, in Argentina. So that was huge. We bought the competitor. Um, we actually won uh, the buyout to the largest uh, journal, to the large, largest media company. Uh, they wanted to buy the company and we we actually won the, the sale and then we bought another company and then we had lunch already that was one one of the fails that we didn't see because we were just like executing left and right and everything was going really well so we didn't know like when when the downturn was gonna come so we we started five companies within the company we also had like we had three days daily deal uh, sites for the companies because of the companies that we have been uh, uh, buying then a disc an actual physical discount coupon card uh, travel agency and a software aggregator to find discounts all around the internet. So we had like six companies below. It was too much. We didn't have yeah. the resources or the management or the experience to manage so many companies, but you know, it's, it's part of the, the learning. We were growing so much. We were like limitless. So we kept pushing and, uh, and then, uh, the, we had this huge downturn in 2016. Almost overnight, we lost 50% of our sales because of a technical problem, a problem with Hotmail. We were very uh, dependent on newsletter marketing for sales. Every single day, we were selling uh, millions of, of emails. And we got some IPs banned and it was very difficult to turn around. So during that year, we had to uh, lay off 100 people and we didn't have the, the funds. Uh, we, we weren't ready. We weren't ready. For that, so it was uh, maybe the hardest year of my whole life, our whole life, and we had to restructure the whole company <clears throat> to be, because we we were there, 145 employees. We had just bought two of the largest competitors. We were like growing 2015, amazing, uh, the best year ever. 2016, worst year ever. But 
um, as the story goes, and we, we know the story, we, we got the company extremely fit and lean. So it was like a Ferrari, only 45 people that were completely aligned to the goals, the vision and the values of the company. Because in that year we introduced the values, the company's values. So we were also interviewing and um, doing performance review of employees, not only by performance, but also by alignment to the company values. So 2017, we got the, the, the best year ever. We did $10 million, but with 45 employees. Wow. What does that look like doing a performance <laughs> review against the, um, the mission, vision and values? I've never, I've never quite heard it put that way. I know. And it's so crazy, Brady, because I mean, I, I knew I, I was doing my master's in the MIT Endicott House. That is a mixture between MIT and EO, entrepreneurial organization, uh, uh, an entrepreneurial organization I'm part of. And uh, we were 65 uh, entrepreneurs back in Boston, between $1 million to $100 million a year in revenues uh, from 25 countries. And when they introduced this concept, we were like, We've been doing this wrong. We've been doing hiring and, and, and performance review for so many years. Like, what's wrong with it? Why, why didn't we know this? And basically, what happens with small and medium companies is that most people are just uh, hiring and also reviewing employees by technical performance, by the performance that they bring on sales, if they're salespeople, or in finance, if they're finance people. But what we don't see is that that one of the most important factors to hire someone is that he or she needs to be aligned to the company's values. And then many people tell me like, what are my company values? It's like, well, if you don't have your core values identified, then it's a, the first uh, thing that you need to do. There's an amazing, if you have been running your company for quite some years, the amazing thing is that you already have your values ingrained. You don't need to design them from scratch. So there's an amazing exercise called Mission to Mars. Uh, so you you set up like a three to four hour retreat meeting with your founder or with your management team. And you say, okay, if we had to go to Mars to colonize Mars and to start this company again from scratch in Mars, which are the three employees that we would take, either present or past employees, to recolonize or, or to colonize Mars with, and, and create our company again. So we say, okay, mm, yeah, Brody, for sure, Brody. I mean, he's amazing, blah, blah. But you don't know why, but, but you know that you, you want to get Brody, you know, to, to redo this company. And when you get those three uh, employees, you start uh, understanding and analyzing. So why? Why did you choose Brody? Well, you know, he's, he's so passionate. And then why did you choose Samantha? is so passionate so you start seeing uh what's repeated and then you start doing uh, the mix and match you know you start uh, killing the repeated you know you prioritize and then you get to three to five core values that were already present in your company you just didn't know and then you put it in a nicer way uh so that it's more compelling to your company's uh vision so one of our uh, one of our core values was absolute respect, and we believed that everyone should be treated equally and with respect. We had sixty percent of female uh, employees, every single race, sexual orientation, everything. We, we we just saw people that wanted to work. We we didn't see like genders or whatever, so we were proud of that. 
and we we did we we never we always told our employees there's no rankings or hierarchies for respect here. Everyone's a human being, so that was a very important um, value for us. Then another one was absolute like absolute or passion every day. We're we're all very as you can see, I'm, I'm pretty passionate, and this was one of the core values. And this was something that we needed to hire people. So once you have those those core values, now you start integrating that to your interviews. So before uh, performance review, you need to hire the right people. And not only you will, not only let's say HR or middle management will uh, test that uh, prospect for its sales capabilities, but the founder at the end of the meetings has to check the values. So I would be addressing with you your passion, your past passion to understand if you have a fit with the company. Because what happens and what we saw, and then this is how you integrate also with performance review, is that a, a very good executor that is not aligned to your company values has no place in your company. And there is a typical example with a, an amazing salesperson that never goes to meetings, you know, shows up late, and sometimes it's disrespectful, but it's bringing so much money to the company. And you're like, oh, I know this is toxic, you know, this is a toxic environment, but I need the sales. And what history uh, proves is that on the long run, that's really hurting your whole company because the best salesman or women, woman is setting the example for the rest in every single way because, he, I mean, it's a rock star. And if that person has a toxic personality or if it's just not aligned with the values, then it's uh, creating a huge hole in your whole company. You're not seeing it. So you can always, if, if the person, if, if the employee is aligned to the company values, but not performing, you can always change that person to the right position. But you cannot change the person's values. Either if the person is performing or not performing in its position, if the person is aligned to your company values, it's kind of like an inside enemy. I mean, and it's not purposefully, it's, it's just not aligned and you will never make it aligned. And when you start having that mindset to hire and also to review performance, the whole company starts to change because now we have every single employee that is completely aligned, not only to the performance that you need, but also to your vision and to the way you operate your values. It's so important. And then performance reviews. Well, you actually test those four or five core values on, on performance reviews and you test passion. And if you see someone that every day is coming to work like this, uh, I'm not sure if I'm gonna... It's pretty obvious. And then we would also compensate and do bonuses or employee of the month or kudos system or reward system, all based on values. So we had this amazing app called Bonusly that every single day, I mean, every single month, people would get like allowances to reward other, other employees for good good things that they did, and 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 then of course you would you could uh, re redeem that rewards for actual money or, or prices, or even days off or whatever you know like rewards, and every single reward that you had gave to another to a mate to, to to a colleague had to be associated with a company value. So each time you're recognizing someone from the company or even the employee of the month, it had to be completely aligned to the values. So this month, which is Brody, because he is one of our examples 
of everyday passion. Every single day he shows up with a beautiful smile, with a great energy, and this is contagious. And this is what the company needs. And we are rewarding Brody for this, not only because he's a great salesman and he brought 100K sales this this, uh, month, but also because he shows up every single day with this amazing passion. And this company is passion. And we want more people like Brody. So you're setting the example. I love it. It's really just highlighting those things in the performance review that makes all the difference. I, I, I mean, I could see where the, the typical founder would fall into the trap of not being able to focus on that enough because it's not, it's not necessarily affecting the bottom line, urgent. but it actually is not urgent. It doesn't feel urgent, but it, until, it really until, is. Until, until it becomes, until you start seeing that you're like three, four or five years in, you have like 20 to 100 employees or a thousand, whatever. I, not, not what I, I think you, you wouldn't get to a thousand without this, but you have like 20, 100, 200 employees and you're like, there's something strange with my team. You know, there's this, I have people that are working, but they have like a lot of internal politics and I have these people that are like toxic. And then, and then what happens is that you're, you're stagnant on your growth. It's difficult to grow because it's like, trying to go uh, full speed with the e-brake on. You, you can go, you can push the car, you know, just like press the pedal. But if you have the e-brake on, there's something that's missing. So when you integrate the values to the company and you start aligning your whole employees or also firing employees that are not aligned to, to values, uh, it's like releasing that e-brake. And that's when the real speed comes because you have a team that is aligned to what you want to do. And the vision, the first five or 10 years for a small, medium company, the vision is everything. You're not established, nobody knows you. Especially for a small, medium company. If you're like 50 employees, 100 employees, nobody knows you. You're too young in the market. You can can die tomorrow and not you. Like like the company could go broke like tomorrow and nobody would even notice it. So you really need a, a team of very aligned people to your vision because the vision is the only thing that you have. That's why the founder is so important. And when I have invested in projects, I mostly focus on the founder because the founder is the one that can pivot and steer the company for growth or through hard times or to go broke. When I reflect on the last few months of the company that I was in, that I exited, there, I had shared with you, I think off air that not everyone was on the same page. There were four partners and everyone wasn't necessarily on the same page. And that rings very true that, that alignment of mission, vision, and values. I don't know if that was necessarily there and that made things difficult because when we hit difficult times, when sales were down, when things were a little bit tough, things got difficult and it was, um, I, I don't know if that alignment was there and that's, I'm kind of seeing the connection there. That's very powerful. I think I think you do know. I think you are seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. Once you kind of put it that way, you can kind of backtrack and realize and like, like where you might have oh, gone wrong in certain places. That's why we were fighting so much every single meeting. Mm-hmm. That's why we could never get to an agreement with this co-founder. Every single time that, you know, this happened we ended up with this huge discussion and uh, so yeah it's huge 
So I think we're going to shortly kind of get to the way that you coach here, but I want to kind of round out your story before we get there. I'm starting to, I'm starting to see why you're able to bring such a unique approach to these high performance executives. And it's because you've lived these things yourself, obviously. I want to get to the end of your time with click on and, and how that went, what led you to the next step? Yeah. So, uh, 2017, after the, this huge crisis, we had our best year, a very lean company. We associated the top managers so that with my co-founder and I, we could become full-on visionaries and start a new business because we knew, we, we saw that the, the business model wasn't going to succeed in the long term. And uh, <clears throat> 2018, I went after I, we associated the top managers so that they could run the day-to-day -day company. Um, I went to travel around the world for eight months, twice around the world, I did twice around the world to find inspiration for a new project and a new worldwide project because we were very, we were very big in Argentina, but we were only in Argentina. So that was uh, a weakness. And then, especially in 2018, the country wasn't doing well at all. Our exchange rate almost quadrupled in six months. So it went from 20 to 40, 60 to 80, 80 to one in four months or six months. So it's it was crazy. It was like devastating. So the country was an almost 100% inflation per year. Right now it's 120 to 150 plus percent inflation per year. So it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. <laughs> so imagine like we had to adjust salaries every two or three months and the prices because it was just imagine like a 10% per month inflation, seven to 10% percent percent inflation per month. It's pretty crazy. So I went around around the world. And when I was uh, developed, like focusing on my spirituality in India and, and Bali, I started this new company called Trevotion. Trevotion, uh, the plants that uh, that sells bracelets, they're made by Balinese women to help them get out the get out of their houses by having an independent income. And each bracelet plants between two to twenty trees in the most <clears throat> needed areas of the world. <clears throat> so we sold in sixty countries in the first year just complete bootstrapped by my co-founder and I. Mm. We were, we were about to sell a million dollars in the first year. Uh, so I went back to Argentina. We we were able to sell the company the, for the Argentine, the click on company. Cause we, we, we knew that it was time after nine years of execution, it was time to, to leave it to, to different founders so that it could uh, continue the path. Cause we were done. It was, it was, an amazing experience, but imagine like over those 10 years, we sold $65 million in total. We employed more than 700 people in total. Um, we bought two of the largest competitors. Uh, we, we launched a lot of companies, so it was enough for us. And we wanted to, to, to have a worldwide company. And we, we knew that the, the business model was already burnt. So we couldn't start that business model abroad. It was all, all over the place. So we started this company. We, we sold the, the Argentine company in 2019. I moved to Bali with my fiance uh, to become closer to the plantation, to the tree plantations, and to to the to the artisans. And we were doing amazing, the best year ever. And something happened in March 2020, and on, in the whole world, <laughs> and COVID hit, and we lost 90% of sales overnight, almost overnight. And uh, but luckily because we had uh, gone through our own personal pandemic on uh, 2016 
we had learned one of the most important lessons in the entrepreneurial career that, you know, everyone talks about scaling, how important it is to scale a business. But nobody talks about scaling down. Everyone's talking about you have to prepare yourself to scale your company up, you know, to grow and grow and grow and to be able to, to scale up. But nobody's talking, at least before the pandemic, nobody was talking about, yeah, what, what happens when things go, go south, you know. So we had designed this company to be able to not only to scale up very quickly because we had sold in 60 countries for the first year, but also to scale it down. So luckily we were able to, you know, reduce all the headcount and uh, all the costs uh, and put in autopilot until we, we understood what to do. And um, so we didn't lose any money. Even when we lost 90% of sales almost overnight, we know March 2020, they, they, they closed the whole planet. They were closing every single airport and country in the world. So we moved with my friends, we moved back to Argentina to be closer to our parents because March 2020, we didn't know what COVID was. <clears throat> and then when we started preparing the, uh, the green card to formally emigrate to the US and October 2020, we, we moved to LA, to California. That was part of our dream. I got the, the EB1 green card that is a personal national interest or exceptional alien beast, whatever, basically based on, uh, on business performance over the, the decades. And so we've been living in LA for the past two and a half years, uh, very happy. And because I had co-founded this entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurs organization 10 years ago in Argentina, uh, and I've been, have been coaching this, this is an, a worldwide entrepreneurs organization, 18,000 members around the world. 80 countries, and you have to sell between a million to hundred million dollars per year to, to be part of. So I had been coaching entrepreneurs for 10 years with this nonprofit. Um, and I, I, I always saw like two common things with every single entrepreneur, at least a million dollars per year, right? So it's a fact, uh, small million company. I saw that, uh, sustainable growth was, uh, one of the, the limiting factors for these companies. And then also that. A lot of people were not enjoying their lives. They were not enjoying their business. They didn't have enough free time to, you know, to travel the world as I'm doing right now, or, you know, to be present with their kids, to have intimacy with their spouses, uh, to be able to sleep well, to be able to rest, to be able to have personal health, uh, or just enjoy the ride. And we're talking about like one to, at least one to $10 million a year in revenue. So that's pretty, pretty successful companies people with quite some money. So I, I started saying this methodology of a 360 approach where I, where I'm since last year, where I started this company, this coaching company for business owners and executives called Sunway Coach. I partner up with the executives and business owners to empower them to design the lives that they want in a balanced way. I'm, I'm really big in life design. I absolutely and relentlessly believe that we can design the life that we want in any single way, especially, and most of this uh, audience, at least my own, is in the US. People that are living in the US are part of the 10% of the world. Like 90% of the world don't have the resources, opportunities, or uh, access to things. And especially, I mean, if you're um, watching this podcast, you, you have a pretty good cell phone or computer. You're, I mean, into entrepreneurship, you're into podcasts, you, you have some kind of education level and for sure you have food, shelter and hot water and health. You're part of five to ten percent of the world. That means that more than 7 billion people 
have less resources and opportunities and access to things in this world than you. So if we cannot create the life and design the lives that we want, what, what's left for the rest of the world? So um, I, I really believe that we can create uh, whichever business and life that we want and in a balance. And I believe that success is uh, the success that we get in a balanced way. Balance meaning your profession, your relationships and love, your personal health and your personal development and spirituality. There is no success on only one area if the other areas are failing. There is no success at all if you're growing your business uh, three, like twofold, whatever, and you get divorced or you, know, you hate your life or you don't have intimacy or just don't have time to be present with your kids. Or you, I, I'm, I, I work with some founders that are doing like $10 million a year with amazing companies and they tell me like, for the past three years, I haven't been able to get a single week of holiday. Do you really think that that's high performance? Do you really think that 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 is the same of not sleeping? You know, I have been working for two weeks without sleeping. Is that a smart move? And because the mind is limitless, not the body, we believe we tend to believe that we can just push ourselves without any limits because the mind can keep going. But then when you start growing up and have more experience, you start identifying that when your body is not aligned with your mind, you get burnt out. So for example, 2016, when we had this huge crisis, I developed tinnitus, this ear being the, the bus because of extreme stress. And this may be with me forever. Some other people had have heart strokes. Uh, I, I had huge sleeping uh, disorders. That's why I give to every single client uh, of my coaching program, the Aura Ring. It's a ring that has like eight sensors that helps you uh, master your sleep, your recovery, and your stress. Because most people are getting into this game in the morning with 50% of vitality. So it's basically half of your game lost when you're start before even starting to play the game. So I have a 360 approach, and balance is usually associated uh, to quitting or, you know, being mediocre and I believe that you can uh, get to every single goal and dream that you want in life every single one I am relentless on my goals and dreams I I mean I always have eyes on, on, on the price but I do it in a balanced way I have been able to get to every single goal and dream that I have proposed myself to and I keep doing it but I know that the way to do it in a sustainable way, that's why I call myself a sustainable high performance, is to rock every single goal in your life, but in a balanced way, balancing every single of the areas of life. Because there's no such thing as success on one area if, you're, if it's a trade-off of the other area. And most people associate this by lowering expectations. I go for the whole nine yards. I say, set ambitious goals, same as in your company, but also in your life. So you can do it in a balanced way. And it doesn't have to be every single week. There's periods of life. You know, you can have a three or six month period where you're more focused on your business and then on your personal life. But overall, holistically, you need to be addressing your whole life because if not, that's you're, you're not going to feel as a success. And you're going to be a typical cliche story. I, I was that one that you will, you will say, you know, 
I've been running this company for five years, seven years. I have achieved every single thing that I want in business. But there's just something missing, you know. I I don't enjoy it. I have the money that I, I have the money that I always wanted. I have the car. I have the house, you know. But there's something missing. Of course, it's missing. Your whole the, the whole life is missing. And How when you integrate that life, that in- you, you start growing your company. The, 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 the amazing hack is that when you improve your whole life, your company grows because you are a reflection of your company or your company. Actually, your, your company is a reflection of who you are. How do you spot that in yourself and how do you spot that in executives when they don't see it in themselves to begin with? On myself, I have become obsessed about personal development over the past 15 years. So I've done millions of therapies, courses, programs. I have seven mentors and coaches, everything. I'm relentless about personal development. I, I believe, I strongly believe, and I would argue with anyone, that personal development is the key to advance in every stage of life. I mean, if life is a game, personal development Personal meaning, meaning that business, learning about business or having a business coach is also personal development because you're developing your business skills. Personal development is the way to hack every single thing that you need in life. <clears throat> Whatever you want to do in life, personal development is the answer. You want to get more intimate with your wife? Let's just hire a couple's therapist. Read a book about that. You want to become better at business? Hire a business coach. Learn about business. Read a book. Go to podcast. Do a program. You want to become a better health, you're a, you know, a fitness coach, go to these shredding programs, read a book, whatever. I mean, it's all about personal development. So that's what I do on myself. I cultivate, cultivate awareness a lot. Uh, self-awareness is one of my main goals. So that's why I'm, I'm very big in meditation for the past 10 years. I've done a lot of processes and programs. And with my clients, with all the business owners and executives that I coach, I use the ontology framework. Ontology uh, is the study of the being. Psychology is the study of the psychis, the, the mind. And because we are so um, ingrained in a psychological world, we tend to forget that we are beings. We're human beings. We're not human thinkers. So by addressing the being and I, am, I become a, a reflection of who you are or what's stopping you. I can help you identify what are your limiting beliefs. What's stopping you from reaching uh, that high potential or those goals that you want to reach. But you know, there's something missing. You, you just feel stuck, lazy, blocked, slow. You've been dragging this decision for quite some time. And the reason that it's difficult to do it by yourself is at first you have you may have not been developing yourself so much over the past 10 years. And second, uh, and this is the reason why every single coach uh, lives in this world, is because the human being cannot take action and observe itself at the same time. We just haven't got that ability. When we're actually act- taking action, we're focused on, on that. And that's why outside coaches and in sports it's easier when you're kicking a ball, you're very concentrated on you know how to kick the ball. 
but that's why you 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 watch the replay afterwards, the video, and you have a coach that is telling you, oh, you know, you stepped here, you, you should put your leg like this, or you were running too fast or too slow. Because when you're focused on in the game, you're not able to see yourself from outside. So that's why having an outside perspective that is also reflecting you helps you identify what you're not seeing because you're focused on, on taking action. I see where you're coming from with this. It's really just about being that outside perspective for someone. So I think we've done a really good job of establishing your background. And I, I've kind of gotten the full picture at this point of where, where that comes from for you. I mean, it's just having lived this whole thing yourself in vivid detail through the course of a decade, over a decade between everything, almost, um, Two decades. More, like, more like, yeah, more like yeah. two decades. And so. I, I see how you've developed this framework. I think this is the perfect time to get into the coaching that we wanted to get into. So, how do you start out? So um, first, uh, I, I always tell uh, my clients that something that my first boss in Hauser and Bush told me when I was 21 years old, that he told me, you know, you see things that are, that are true very fast and you have what I call uh, brutal honesty. So whatever I tell you, Brody, I really believe it from my heart. And what I don't tell you, it, I mean, it is why I don't believe it. So, and that's why I told you that I'm, I'm, I'm not good at politics. And that's why if I'm harsh with things, it's just because I believe that. But if I tell you something, just believe that it comes from my heart and it's uh, what I believe is truth. True. Okay just as a setting. So um, first, I'm excited to be doing this process with you because since the, our first call uh, that I, I did with you a couple of weeks ago, um, I see that you have an amazing entrepreneurial uh, power. And it's not easy to find this and you're very passionate. And I didn't even know that you have, you have exited two businesses. So don't, not only you're doing this amazing podcast that you're doing more than 70 episodes, I believe, but also you have been a successful entrepreneur at a very early age, right? How old are you, Brody? I'm 26. And I, I will kind of make one clarifying point just for, for full transparency's sake. One of the ex or one of the uh, businesses that I exited was actually my father passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, so I sold his business as I was starting the other. I, I would say I've, I've grown one business, exited two. Good. So I can see that you're really truthful also. So thank you for being so honest. Because especially in the podcast world, what everyone's showing off what you're doing, you're stepping up and saying like, hey, you know, I want to clarify this. I'm, I'm 39 years old, so I have quite some experience. But once again, uh, it's not easy to have your experience being 26 years old, especially even with the, your, your father's exit company, it's still an exit. You were able to, to exit the company. So I want to ask you, uh, I know that you have been thinking about a topic that you wanted to talk today, something that may be blocking you, something that you may be, feel stuck, that you would like to have clarity on, you, have, you would like to take some action. So tell me more about what you wanted to talk about today. Would you rather start with the personal or the business? Because we had talked about doing a little bit of both. And I think you're probably the best one to make the judgment call as far as which one would be 
best to establish the context? Well, so this is part of, this is part of uh, the coaching. This is your life, Brody. You have to identify is if your business topic or your personal topic is more important or urgent. So this is your, uh, your time this is your coaching. You have to identify this. And I know that you can, it's your life. You already know that. I think a good place to start is that I've been, I've been grappling with this concept of being able to, so you described like the way of finding balance between the work and the personal, and I've been grappling with, um, with finding that balance. I think I feel like sometimes I, I have a difficulty in switching off work mode. Mm. And I think that sometimes burns me out because I struggle to bring my best into my personal life. Um, I, I think I notice it the most in my personal friendships these days. And I think, I think that holds me back and I, I have a tough time pinpointing how it holds me back, but I, I feel like it does. And that's something that it's a new thing for me as I've gotten busier. Um, yeah. and that's something I'm grappling with. I mean, so normal to experience is when you're growing, not only your company, but growing as a person. And I can really see that creating and designing the life that you want in a balanced way. is really important for you. Exactly what we do. So tell me more as and this is a very broad topic. I mean, you know, creating the life that you want in a balanced way. And we have a specific period of time right now. What results would you like to produce out of this interaction? If you would narrow it down, because you know that there's so many layers on this topic and it would be a long-term topic, you know, how to redesign your whole life. But so that you have a, a good value out of this session, what would you like to focus? What kind of result would you like to produce out of this interaction? That's a good question. You gave me some kind of clarifying thoughts there, actually. So I think I often, my, my issue is never struggling to find motivation to work. Yeah. I think my issue comes more in being able to allocate my time correctly to the things that bring me the most value in my work so that I can have the leftover time to devote to the personal. And I think I work so hard on some of the wrong things and I have a tough time pinpointing what the wrong things are sometimes. So what I hear now we're getting uh, way more narrowed down is that you would like to uh, prioritize better your tasks and your time so that you can create time out of your day so you don't spend uh, a lot of time in things that are not actually valuable or not aligned to your company's or life's mission. So you can have more time because we know that everyone has the same 24 hours at the end of the day. You want to become better at prioritizing how you spend your time during your day in business and in life. So you can address what's really important and aligned to your company and life values and goals. So that you can create more time to do what you, to do whatever you want. 
because we know that everyone has the same 24 hours a day, even the highest, the highest performers. So there's something that we can do with the same day that everyone has to do more and better and more of what we do, right? I agree. Right. So uh, now that we, we have a better issue identified out of this whole uh, light grid sign, tell me more about priorities and uh, deciding which task and also spending too much time on tasks that are not so important as you just said. So right now, my my number one priority, I would say, is getting my new business off the ground. And when I say off the ground, I mean that the business is about, depending on where you place the starting point, it's about a month, month and a half old now. Um, and I had kind of started it all of a sudden and really focused on developing a good product before anything. And my product is a program that helps add value to someone's business before they sell. So now I'm in the process of finding my first clients. And I have one client that is a close personal friend with a really great company that I'm taking through the program right now. But I am struggling to find more clients. And that's my number one priority right now. I have a lot going on right now, though, because I'm also in the middle of my MBA program. So I have uh, just under a year left with that as well. Um, I have a very serious girlfriend that I enjoy spending a lot of my time with. And I have a podcast that I do weekly interviews with. So I'm juggling a lot of things. But I would say my number one priority at the moment is getting new clients for my business so that I can establish the the program a little bit more and get it running smoothly and, and be like a, a profitable business. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So yeah, it's quite a busy life and it really shows how uh, focused on balance you are because you're, you're, and you have a really very ambitious goals in every single area because you're uh, pursuing a learning program, a very intense MBA learning program, starting a new business, doing some impact also. I, I think oh, even though podcasts can also help bring new businesses, I think it's also about impact. So I see that you have a true desire and make a make it you know make an impact. Uh, because people are, are learning from this podcast. You've been doing it for like seven more than seventy high quality podcasts. I mean it's not easy at all. You have an amazing relationship. And I know that you're very into uh, wellness and health and also traveling. So I see that that you have a huge desire to create these very ambitious goals, uh, but also in a balanced way in your whole life. Being almost 26, only 26 years old. So tell me more about priorities. We're, we're going to keep uh, peeling the, the onion layers. What's stopping you from prioritizing what's really important for you? Because on one side, I hear that you have a pretty good glance of what you want to achieve. But you also said that you end up spending too much time on things that are not really important or that just drag time out of you. So tell me more about that so I can see what you're seeing. I think I often, um, 
I have a, a fear of not fulfilling on my promise to continue the podcast in the form and fashion that I started it in. And so that has always taken a certain amount of time that I'm afraid to let go. Um, I have someone helping me part time right now to help manage some of the workload with it. Um, but it's, it still takes a lot of my time. And I think sometimes, uh, my, my best, most creative and, and fulfilling work does not get allocated to the most revenue driving activities in the business. And, um, and I think that's a struggle right now. And, and it's a frame switch for me as well, because I had very much the role of, of, uh, backend operations, finances, legal, and some marketing in the, in the other business. And now I'm responsible for all of that as well as sales and lead generation and so adding adding that hat has been a challenge for me and um and i struggle to find a consistency in the the daily tasks that are needed to be able to create the kind of lead generation that i know that i need hmm. to be creating i see what you're saying so tell me more about consistency between having this amazing podcast that you have already developed and lead generation for your new company. Because I, I hear that these two are competing right now. You're either doing this, what we call monkey mind conversation. You're either doing a really nice, really nice podcast that creates a lot of value and makes an impact, uh, but it takes a lot of energy and time because you, you are very professional in this podcast as people may see, it's not just a random podcast, but or, or you have to focus on lead generation for your new company to help other business exit their companies. So tell me more about consistency and, and this either or thinking. I think I struggle with the consistency because I'm juggling so many things and I often Deadlines are very important to me. And so for things like the podcast that I've been doing for longer and for my MBA program where I have very clear and set deadlines, those are not difficult for me to reach and to fulfill. But for things that don't have set deadlines, like the the lead generation that activities that I know that I need to be doing, I struggle to hold myself accountable to, to doing, for example, to doing 15 to 50 new outreaches in some form a day. I, that's something I would like to be doing every day. And that doesn't always happen because other things seem to get in the way. So let's keep observing this either or thinking, because I, I think there, there's a great thing to explore around this. You're telling me that as you don't have enough time and, and you know, creating this new company and, and getting a lead acquisition and continuing this very high quality podcast is very demanding and it's very difficult to do it with very high quality at the same time. I hear that you either 
keep focusing on on the podcast, but you lose value on the on the lead generation for the for the new company, or you focus on the new company, you may create more sales and revenues, but you may be failing to your promise, to your internal promise of developing this podcast. This, this is what we call monkey mind conversation. It's a trap, it's a mind trap where we are stuck between two scenarios which are not real because there are many other scenarios that you could think of to be able to design this new life and business that you want to design. So if there was any monkey mind conversation here, what other scenario could you think of to be able to integrate what you're doing? You know, I wrote something down while you were talking just maybe 30, 45 seconds ago, and I had had a conversation with a couple of my very close friends recently about, and I had shared this with you maybe off air that I was trying some new formats and things with the podcast. I had had a conversation with some of my close friends about maybe trying to integrate the two of them even more. And so I think, I think there might be some, something there. And I think I need to be shifting a little bit to, to doing that. You think, and I think what that might look like, yeah, I think what that might look like is switching up my format of the podcast a little bit to some kind of, kind of a coaching session like this almost, um, like kind of what we're doing right now, but, but imagine switching the roles because I, I forget where this came from, but I heard recently and I, I don't remember what it's called. I think it's, um, the Solomon paradox, I believe is what it's called. Have you heard of this? I've heard of it. Yeah. But yeah, you have, I, I might be getting the name wrong, but from what I remember, it's that people are much better at giving advice to others than they are at following it themselves. And so I, I've found that I'm good at giving advice to others about what to do in their business, but I struggle to take that same advice myself. But I think that there's a market for the types of conversations that I get into off air with business owners very often. Um, and if I could switch my format a little bit to focusing specifically on business owners, which I've kind of found myself doing naturally anyway, since I started and framing it such that I'm doing a deep dive on their business and that's understood ahead of time. I think that could help me with the lead generation that I need to be doing in my business. And let, let's keep this train to uh, not train because it's amazing what you're, what you're seeing now. So you're, you're, you're saying that instead of having this internal competition that is taking so much time and it's messing with your priorities because you you either do this amazing podcast in the old fashioned way, in your, in your, your own old fashioned way, the, the way you have been doing it, uh, for some time, but this competes with your new company and the generation, or you focus on the company and you lose this internal promise of, you know, making an impact on, on the podcast. Now you're seeing that you can create a podcast for a different uh, format, uh, video interviews, where that podcast can become your lead generation machine, right? Yeah. Is this what you were saying? So, 
tell me more about this. Like, how would this podcast or short video format, whatever format would be, help you uh, with this late generation company for your uh, client ex exit company? Well, one format that comes to mind, and you may or may not be familiar with this. It's a it's a very new podcast, I believe, maybe less than a year old, but it's had immense success. Is uh, there's a, a podcast called Financial Audit with a guy named Caleb Hammer, a uh, fairly young guy who's had a lot of success in, in real estate. And what he does is he has on people who are in immense financial debt through one form or another, and he gives them a financial audit of their situation. And he's live. Just, he, live. Live, live. And he's he almost plays a character where he's incredibly hard on them and he makes it very dramatic. But at the end of the day, his goal is to help them assess their financial position and come up with solutions to improve it. So I think going in a direction like that, where I am essentially doing a business audit rather than a financial audit, could be a really good direction for me. And the more I'm thinking about it, I mean, I've structured my my new company around this anyway. I I came up with a list of 250 questions to ask a business owner to help them assess their position. Like a podcast interview. Yeah. And I, I kind of just I kind of just structured it that way because it's what I know how to do. And hell yeah. I, pr I probably just need to combine those two because I feel like I'm, I'm kind of, um, I'm kind of that cliche saying of the, the man who chases two rabbits will catch none right now. I'm trying to chase two rabbits and I'm catching neither. And if I make them the same rabbit, I can catch it. What are you experiencing right now when you see this, this? is good stuff. <laughs> I, I see you're lighting up. I feel like I'm experiencing, yeah. I feel like I'm experiencing clarity and I'm I'm seeing just a, a different path than I had seen before. And it's not like you're giving me, the funny thing is we like we, tell you what we both know, it's not like you're giving me, you're not telling me what to do. You're not giving me new information. You're just, you're asking the right questions and that's, that's I believe, why this is I, powerful. I, I really believe that you have your own answers, Brody. That's why I don't BS. When I see the potential in people, one of my superpowers is shine a light on people's talents. I know my own talents. That's for me. But it's about you. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes I do business consulting, but it's so much more powerful. Because if, if you have reached uh, the stage and the level that you are right now, because you're an amazing entrepreneur. When I tell you what to do, Brody, what I'm actually telling your subconscious is that you don't know what to do. You cannot solve your problem. I can have, I can solve your problem. So I will tell you what to do because you don't know and you will not know what to do. That's what, what subconsciously giving that advice is. I'm not saying it's wrong, but you have to be mindful of that. I love to empower people to create their companies and their lives the way they want it. So I know that you have a, an amazing talent and my job is to shine a light on that because you see how you, how you, you know, 
you you can see it in your face you're like i'm seeing it and you know we we yeah. all have parents that have given us advice you should not do this but when you learn it by yourself it's so much powerful so i could tell you i think brody what you need to do is integrate the podcast and, and with a company and then the podcast is going to be your lead generation sure great but you've seen your face and you, and you will revisit this when you see the video you light up because a whole world of possibilities is in front of you now and now you see you 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 have just ended up that struggle that either or thinking either keep doing this podcast but i'm going to be hurting my company or if i do the company i'm not missing i'm going to be missing my promise i'm doing this podcast and this is internal struggle you know and it's so draining it's so energy draining whereas when you see this light when you see this new world of possibilities you get motivated and now you know what your priority is this is the, your company this is part of your company from today on i you're right i've i've been thinking about it as part of my company for a while and i i was keeping this kind of unnecessary separation between it and i i don't really know why i I think I had a just kind of a limiting belief around the podcast being used as a, a business tool. Yep. And I, I think it's time to kind of break down that belief. That's why I call this high performance. Eventually, if you took three, six or 18 months, you would have figured this out. But it's so painful and slow. And not because we're stupid. It's because we're too alone. With, we're, we're doing so many things. That's why having coaches really good coaches accelerate your growth so that you can make these decisions fast and quickly and you can enjoy the process instead of like taking months and like oh i don't know if i should continue with this podcast because my lead generation is hurting but i mean sure with enough pain you will get to the conclusion but what's the point of having this so much pain i started this business because i was told myself if I could only coach myself five, 10, 15 years ago, man, my life would have been so much easier. I would have grown so much faster, you know, and enjoy things so much more. And that's why I'm, I'm empowering others so they can live their, their fullest life and they grow their business sustainably in a, and in a, in a more sustainable and more enjoyable way. I love it. Is there anything else that you noticed in there um, that you think is a limiting belief that I might have? Because, you know, you know, now that I'm saying this, Nacho, I, I kind of just realized that and reflected on the fact that one of my goals for the podcast this year was to to break a belief that I had for the better. And this might have just been that. Are there any other limiting beliefs that that you think I might be exhibiting that we could explore? I I see that you use thinking. I, I think, I think, I think uh, all the time, and that means uh, that as we as we live in a very psychological world, many I mean most of us are trapped in our minds. If we if we don't if we don't learn how to master our minds. We become our minds, uh, you know, our minds are mastering us so many times. Sometimes our minds are calling the shots. I always uh, have this funny analogy with my clients uh, that 
the mind is just an organ, right? Like the lungs, the heart, the legs, whatever. But for some reason, we have agreed that the mind many times makes decisions and not us. Our mind many, many times calls our shots and we follow our mind, but the mind is just an organ. Same as with the heart, with the lungs, with your hand, it's just an organ. So we should be using our mind and our organs at our own service instead of us servicing our mind. So when you're able to see this and you can see that you're not your mind and you're not your thoughts, you have a mind that you can use for yourself and uh, you're actually a being. That's why I use ontology, the study of the being versus psychology, the study of the mind. We are beings, human beings, not human thinkers, that we have a mind. So when you are able to identify that you have a mind and you're not your mind, you can start really connecting to your instinct. And I feel that you know way better the things that you need to do. And not only that you think, because you keep repeating when you see things very clearly, and I know that you, you were able to see them in the session, you keep saying, I think, I think I need to do this, but I feel that you, you know way better that you need to do that more than you just think, because with the thing comes a lot of doubt and a lot of mental struggle. So when we are able to take some power out of the mind so that we can use our mind to our own power, we start flowing more on decisions because now we know what's right. We don't need to think about it. Sometimes when you have to solve a complex problem, then you need to think about it. But in this case, you were really seeing something that was very true to you. So when you start trusting and you start connecting to that inner voice or that being with this whole ontological process that we do in these coaching sessions, you start creating more speed on decision, decision making and more inner and self-trust. Because now you know where that idea comes from or that feeling comes from and you feel more sure about executing consistently instead of like i think i have to do this do we all do this of course it's not about you right um so this is the power of the framework that i use that really empower us to uh start uh, making decisions in the right way in a faster way and in, in a more consistent way. Consistent meaning that it's aligned to who we, who we are because we're not deciding from our mind that it's just an illusion. We're really deciding from who we are. And that's what creates sustainability over the long term. I think you hit on something really important there, the sustainability long term, because it rings true when I think about it personally because the podcast is something that I not only feel in my bones is something I can do sustainably, but I've done it every single week on time for 70 weeks exactly. in a yeah. row. And it's, I know. it's that important to me. That's why I started the session telling you something that I believe I'm not Sugar, I'm not motivating you when I tell you that I really see that you're an amazing entrepreneur and executor. I'm, I'm not pepping you, pepping talk, not sugarcoating. I'm not like, 
rah-rah cheering you. You're amazing. Go do it. It's not about that. I'm only saying what I really see as a truth, as a truth. And that's why when you're able to connect with that inner power that you're an amazing entrepreneur and executor and also very truthful, especially for doing a podcast, I think that's an amazing attribute. That's amazing quality to be very truthful because you're putting real content out. You're not showing off or you know, pretending. I know that you have the ability to solve this problem and I'm here to support you on you know, actually getting to your own answer, not my answer. This is your life, this is your business. You are the business owner. I'm not your business owner. But I'm damn sure that I, if I can support you and empower you, you will get to the right decision in a faster, more efficient way, more aligned to who you are and in, in a more pleasing way, with less struggle, with more ease, with more clarity, with more speed. I love it. What are three to five questions that someone struggling to find that inner voice on a consistent basis could be asking themselves every week? One of the questions that I love, that I love the most asking my clients for self-reflection is what's stopping you from doing what you say you would do? What's stopping you from getting to that goal that you really want to do? Because I, I really know I am a, a true believer that our goals and dreams, even though it might seem as a cliche, I don't give an F about sounding as cliche because this is what I truly believe and this is the way I live my life. Um, that's why I'm able to sustain a, a life in LA plus traveling around the world and having an online business and you know living a very beautiful life. I have designed it this way. I have dreamt about it. I have designed it. I have it executed. So when you start asking yourself, what's really stopping you from reaching where you want to get, there's a lot of things that start appearing. So instead of asking five questions, I would ask the same question five times. So you can start peeling the onion layers to go to the core issue to identify what's really blocking you. And you see that in your session, you started talking about, of course, a broader topic about how to create balance in your life. But what you really wanted to, in this, in this specific session, what you really wanted to get was more clarity and action on what to do with this huge topic that is taking so much time and energy with while building a new company and struggling with lead generation and also sustaining a podcast that, that isn't quite consistent to your company. And now that you see this whole new world of possibilities by just repeating this question, you're able to integrate both of your passions because I see that this is your passion also. And that's why you don't want to drop it. And you can integrate your company and you're not new to the space. You have done it for almost a year and a half. They're pretty damn good at it. So now you have built the, the, the stepping stone and now you, are, you can accelerate your growth, your company's growth and your podcast growth completely unified. So instead of chasing two rabbits and, and uh, catching none, you have a huge rabbit and you have the ice on the price. And now you start having more ease and flow in your life because you're only pursuing one goal. And it's just an integration. I love it. I This reminds me of a concept that has been shared on this podcast before, 
And it was a, a guest that is a sales team manager that had come on and shared something that he called the seven layer why. And it's an exercise that he would do with anyone that was a, a new salesperson that they brought on to the team to help them when they were feeling unmotivated. And he yeah. would have them do an exercise where they would have to ask themselves the question of why they're working. And he said, most people first reaction say for money. But yeah. when you go seven layers deep on that and you keep asking keep why, asking. you find out things about yourself that you didn't even know. And yeah, I heard him say that and I, I even posted it as a clip and I've to this day, I've never done it to myself. It's a hard thing to do to yourself. But, but, but you know why? Because as I told you, we live in such a cycle. We live in a such a psychological world where we all go through the mind and we lose the experience. I could make you read a hundred books and you'll be more intelligent. But if you go through, if you don't go through the experience, you miss 90% of the knowledge. That's why I'm able to coach others because I have had 20 years of 20 years of experience. I have had a, I had have had a lot of success, but damn, I have had failures and pain and struggles, and I have gone through the experience. Uh, I have walked the walk in that case. So that's why when uh, you know I, I use a lot of uh, my main channel is Instagram. I'm starting with LinkedIn now, but my main channel is Instagram for lead generation. And people come to me and they ask me in my DMs, you know, like, what are your, what's like, your, what, what is your coaching lag and what do you do? I can explain to you, but I really need to hop into a quick call and, and show you the power and the depth because this is experiential. And there's nothing more experienced than the, there's, there's nothing more powerful than a human experience. We are human beings, not human thinkers. Even though we're thinking all day, I think, I think, I think. And every, we read books, we listen to podcasts, everything's about the mind. But the experience is what makes us transform. And that's why doing our, and that's why, for example, I'm, I'm really big in sales. That's why the real sales managers, instead of explaining sales, they sell. Freaking live. Don't tell me how to sell. I mean, sure, tell me 10 minutes how to sell and then show me the, the framework. But then hop on a call and sell. Show me how it's done. That's why we all love uh, the Wolf of Wall Street movie when Leo DiCaprio or, uh, is selling in the beginning. Everyone's like, oh, look at that, it's magic, you know? Imagine a magic trick. Imagine I would tell you, yes, you know, the trick goes like, I close my hands and then, you know, this whole room disappears. Okay. But if I actually do the trick, you'll be like, what? What happened? You just make the whole room disappear. So because we're so trapped in the mind, we, are, we get used to thinking things and, and feeling and, and thinking that when we think the things, it's incorporated. But the actual way to incorporate is to experience it. So that's why I told you in the beginning of the podcast, in, instead of telling you or describing what I do, that we would have better value, both of us and the audience, to actually do it, to see if I'm good at it or not. Because if not, I can be another coach that is just saying that he's doing stuff. 
But here you can judge in a very short, imagine like our coaching sessions is usually uh, 60 minutes. We were able to go to a very nice breakthrough in 15 minutes or 12. I don't know how much it lasted. So it was pretty fast. So imagine what can achieved in regular 45 to 60 minute meetings when we get to know each other and we work every one or two weeks and you start getting traction on every single area of your life with this uh, depth of experience. I love it. What are some parting thoughts that you would want to leave the audience with about what you do and how to find that for someone who doesn't have that experience or might not have a coach in their life, might not be able to afford one yet, maybe is early on in the process. Yep. How, how can someone, what is the first or second set of steps that someone could take to get headed in the right direction? Yeah. Every time you feel stuck or slow or lazy, or you, you just blocked, get help. The world is very abundant with help in any way. If you can afford it, for sure, get some kind of a coach, consultant, whatever flavor is good for you. Because as you've seen, you've seen, you may have reached this conclusion in one month, two months, 10 months, I don't know. But in the middle, you will be sluggish and you know, oh, struggling with priorities and you, the, the podcast, but the lead quality generation. The, and now you, you know what to do. You're going to end up this podcast and you're going to start executing consistently towards these goals and trips consistently because you know with clarity what to do and you have removed that inner struggle. It's also bringing pain because you have a true desire to continue this podcast. So of course you didn't want to end up this podcast or whichever video or interview format you want to do. So if you can afford it, get a mentor, get a, get a coach, whatever, whoever you want. If you cannot afford it, ask for a mentorship. Many people are just uh, willing to help others. I do uh, free coaching and free mentorships because people have done it with myself in the past. I pay a lot of coaches and mentors, but before, 10 years ago, some people helped me for free. So there's always someone that knows more than you have has more experience. So you don't need to figure it out yourself. Become relentless on personal development. Personal development will take you anywhere that you want in your life and your business. You're just one person, one book, one program away from finding that solution. So don't get stuck. Don't get blocked if you don't know the answer. You don't need to know all the answers. Just get to someone that may help you in a paid or unpaid form and build your network so you can accelerate your growth in every single way. I love that. I All of that rings very true with me. And I think I've made the most progress in my personal life when I am the most relentless on my personal development. I appreciate you sharing this all with me and my audience. 100%. Thank you so much. And where can people find you, Nacho? My Instagram is at Ignacio Carcavallo, by my name here. And my website is sunwavecoach, sunwavecoach.com. And yeah, my DMs are open and I'm always uh, open to find amazing entrepreneurs and executives that want to grow their business sustainably and want to design, design their lives in a balanced way. I'm here to empower you. I love it. 
And I will make sure that all information that leads to you and how people can find you will be included in the show notes and the description, depending on whether you're listening on audio or watching on video. Thank you again so much. This has been an insightful, belief-breaking, and refreshing conversation. And uh, thank you. As I told you in the beginning, I see that you're very truthful. Thank you for being so truthful because it takes a lot of courage and truthfulness to be so open and vulnerable in a podcast where you're the host and you're showing your your vulnerabilities. But but you see that when you open yourself and when you bring, bring that truthfulness, there's a lot of growth, a lot of growth waiting for you. I'm lucky enough. I appreciate you saying that, but I can't take credit. I'm lucky enough to have some really great close friends and family members in my life that have given me feedback about bringing that kind of genuine and openness to the podcast and, and just how much more powerful that is. So I, I can't take credit, but I, I've got to think. You're executing, you're, you're executing it. So once again, it's not easy. It's not easy to show your true self in a camera that, I mean, with a podcast that millions of people can eventually see them. So I, I still honor your courage to be that open and to be that truthful. Thank you. And I appreciate you being truthful with your background and the struggles that you've had. It's, it's been awesome. It's been a, it's been a hell of a learning experience for me. I appreciate that. Thank and you, I look forward for to watching. Thanks again. Thank, thank you. That's a podcast. Awesome.